Welcome to A Certain Age, a show for women who are unafraid to age out loud. Beauties, buckle up. We have an important show today. We are joined by top cardiologist, Dr. Suzanne Steinbaum, to dive into the disease that is the number one killer of women in the U.S., heart disease. Dr. Steinbaum is CEO of Adesso, a tech solution for women's cardiovascular health, wellness, and prevention. She has been both the director of women's cardiovascular prevention, health, and wellness at Mount Sinai Heart in New York City, and the director of women's heart health at Northwell Lenox Hill. You may have seen her on Good Morning America, The Today Show, or Dr. Oz, or perhaps you've read her book, Dr. Suzanne Steinbaum's Heart Book, Every Woman's Guide to a Heart Healthy Life, or maybe you're just meeting her here today for a show and conversation that you don't want to miss. We dive into the steps, tests, and lifestyle choices every woman should take to protect their heart for the long haul and learn more about heart health tech that can keep you on track. So stick around. This show is a must listen. Welcome, Suzanne. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I am excited because this topic is so important. We're recording this show in February, which of course is deep in Valentine's season and hearts are everywhere. Yet heart disease remains the number one killer of women. One in three women will die of heart disease. This number hasn't changed in 20 years, and I would love to start with a little stage setting. Why is this number so fixed and and fixed so tragically? You know, it's really for three reasons. And when we look at this statistic and how staggering it is, the fact that it's been going on for 20 years is sort of the story behind the women in heart disease issue. The research that was initially done was done on men. And it was until 1984, we started seeing more women of dying of heart disease than men because the research the 20 years before was just all focused on men. Until 1991, there wasn't even an Office of Women's Health Research in the NIH. And so it wasn't until several decades ago that research really started focusing on women's hearts. That's the first reason. The second reason is because of that research, doctors in medical school were never taught that heart disease affects women. And so a lot of times women have been misdiagnosed, ignored, or given less preventive strategies to prevent heart disease. And the last are women. We don't really think it's our problem. We think it's everyone else's problem. And in fact, a survey was done. And in that survey, uh, about 90% of women said, yes, they know heart disease is a big problem, but only 13% said it was their problem. It's like it's everyone else's issue. And unfortunately, when women present with heart disease, the signs and symptoms are so much more subtle that it's hard to diagnose and it's hard to pick up. And so I believe that education and empowerment and really understanding what your own personal risk is is part of what is going to change these statistics. Yeah, absolutely. You you mentioned that the um, the symptoms in women are more subtle, right? Hollywood has trained us to believe that heart attacks are when you clutch your chest and there's crushing pain and it's very obvious. Uh, what are the subtle symptoms that women should be paying attention to that Hollywood is not sharing with us? It's so interesting because women, although they do get chest pain, they often get shortness of breath, fatigue, jaw pain, back pain, nausea, vomiting, 
or an inability to just do the things that they usually do every day, it becomes harder. It could feel like the flu. I, I used to talk about these symptoms when I would go to speak in audiences and I could see everyone getting uncomfortable. It seems like everyone sort of lives like this every day. I was going to say, this feels <laughs> like... I always say, hang on, everyone. It... We're not dying of heart disease every single day of our lives, although it might feel that way. <laughs> Um, so when, when so when do we hit the panic button or, or get ourselves into an ER? You know what what is your recommendation if some of these symptoms are so subtle? Is is it important to just do ongoing care or when do we put ourselves into the the care of a doctor? I'm going to answer that in two ways because I think it is more important to get help than to contemplate getting help. The worst thing that happens is you're wrong and you're fine. Those doctors are in the ER whether or not you show up. So you might as well go to be extra sure. Yeah, that's great advice. But I I do believe, um, and, and to me, exercise is the best thing that you can possibly do for yourself. But one of the reasons I think it's so important to move is that when you're used to moving in a certain way, And all of a sudden, when you try to do what you're used to, it becomes challenging or exhausting or more short of breath. That's when you really have to start paying attention. Like, what's going on with me? Exercise is a barometer in some ways for you to really acknowledge your physical being. I think that's such an interesting reframe because we think of exercise as something that we do to you know, sort of stave off illness and disease. But if if we're not exercising regularly, we're not going to be able to use it as this measuring stick to understand if something's become hard for us. So that that's I've I've never heard anyone describe it in that way before. So uh, I, I I love that that kind of reframe, and 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 it, hopefully it's incentivizing listeners who might be neglecting a, a steady exercise routine to continue to prioritize it. You you call heart care the new self care, which I also love. Um, and you f- share on your website that eighty percent of heart disease is preventable. Uh, we are going to be heading into a very quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about the choices or actions we can take that will protect our heart. Rosebud Woman crafts beautiful, organic, sexual wellness and intimate self care products to support women in midlife. Their Honor Everyday Balm is a magical vulvar and vaginal moisturizer with Basa Bolo to build back skin resilience. I use it and absolutely love it. Arouse, the only three-in-one stimulating serum available on the market, enhances sensation in a woman's own lubrication. Rosebud Woman also offers award-winning body care products crafted to address the top needs of women of a certain age. I use the Anoint Oil on both my face and body daily. It is silky, smooth, and deeply hydrating. Join Rosebud Woman in a lifestyle of deep self-reverence. A certain age listeners who use the code KATIE10 at checkout receive 10% off their purchase. That's K-A-T-I-E-1-0. Head to rosewoman.com for beautiful sexual wellness and intimate care essentials. Suzanne, we're back from the break. When we headed into it, we said that even though heart disease is the number one killer of women, the good news is that 80% of it is preventable. What are the choices or actions that you want all women to be taking to protect their heart? When we have traditionally thought about heart disease, we've talked about these numbers that we get at our doctor's offices. You know, the blood pressure, cholesterol, sugars, our weights, 
all of these things that are very medically driven. But what we really do understand is the importance of stress, the importance of sleep, relationships. I mean, we all have had maybe those toxic relationships that we feel like are pulling us down. Guess what? They are. So unless we look at our lives holistically, really how we wake up in the morning and choose to live our days, if we're optimistic or pessimistic, if the stress is overwhelming, all of these things affect our hearts. So when I say heart care is the new self-care, let's focus on who we are and what matters to us. Let's focus on what makes us feel good, whether it's what we eat or how we move or who we get to love and hang out with, because all of these things have an impact on heart health. That's so um, valuable to hear for me because, you know, I think that sometimes women are very good at to-do lists, you know, managing things for their family, managing things for their kids, their parents, their jobs, their bosses, and we often don't prioritize ourselves. So to hear from you, you know, a top-ranked cardiologist about the importance of lifestyle choices like stress reduction, like, um, you know, spending time in relationships that make us feel good as a sort of a medical, you know, advice, as a sort of a side-by-side treatment with things like exercise and nutrition and managing your cholesterol. I, I hope that's resonating with people. I have a question for you about, you mentioned that women were ignored by the, the medical uh, community that, uh, you know, for many years around heart health, women often ignore it themselves. Um, another thing that I, women's health that's often has been ignored and overlooked too is, you know, women in menopause. My audience are women who are either experiencing perimenopause, menopause, or perhaps are beyond that. What, if any, is the link between heart disease and menopause that we should be paying attention to? I am so relieved that finally menopause has become a topic. If I tell you that to this day, most medical students don't even get a lecture about menopause or hormones, it's a big issue. And the menopause conversation has been one that's been very, very quiet until recently. So I thank you for really bringing this conversation to your listeners and and making it something that all of us should talk about. But the reality is that when women get into menopause, that's when heart disease becomes a huge issue. And that's because estrogen is so protective for the heart. And as estrogen decreases, that's oftentimes when blood pressure increases and the bad cholesterol increases, weight increases, but also those symptoms of perimenopausal and menopausal hot flashes tend to really have a correlation with heart disease, just as significant as hypertension would. So when we start understanding menopause in a woman's life, I I used to say all the time to my patients, let's train for menopause like we're training for a marathon. Let's figure out how to exercise, how to eat, how to sleep, how to recuperate and recover So we get all the systems in our body working as efficiently as we can. So we get a decrease in hot flashes. We keep the arteries dilated to prevent high blood pressure. And we keep our metabolism functioning to the best we possibly can. So in fact, our sugars don't go up, our cholesterols don't go up, and we don't gain weight. 
And I do believe that we have to look at this menopause situation. It's a normal part of life, but we can manage it if we start early enough. And if we go through it in a way, again, with that self-care piece of it as being one of the most important parts of how to deal with it. Self-care is definitely key. What's your take on uh, HRT or uh, now it's also being called uh, MHT, menopause hormone treatment, and uh, its impact on cardiac health? Well, this is an interesting conversation. Um, You know, in 1991, the Women's Health Initiative was released and it was about hormone replacement therapy. It was probably one of the most irresponsible trials to ever be done for women. And it really changed everything about uh, hormone replacement therapy for women. We do know that within the first 10 years, postmenopausal hormone replacement therapy could be an amazing part of really supplementing hormones for women for protection of heart disease, to protect their brains. Uh, And and I really do recommend it unless there is a significant reason um, in the family with breast cancer. And this is when you really need to talk to your doctor whether or not it's right for you because there are some women I would not recommend it for. But for the majority of women in those first 10 years postmenopausal, I absolutely think it's very helpful and it does protect the heart and protect against heart disease. Yeah, absolutely. There was a uh, there was a fabulous sort of blockbuster article in the New York Times uh, magazine section earlier in February. It talked about how that the title of it was women have been misled about menopause for anyone who's curious about hormone replacement therapy or the reasons why it's not offered as the standard of care for women in menopause. It's a terrific read. Uh, And I would encourage uh, listeners to read it. I'll put it into the show notes so you can educate yourself before you have these conversations with your doctor. Um, uh, Suzanne, in a few minutes, I want to talk about the the heart tech uh, solution that you're offering and bringing to women to uh, improve and um, monitor their cardiovascular health. But I do want to ask you uh, first, you know, are, are there specific tests that we should be taking uh, to make sure that our, our heart health is uh, what it should be? Do you recommend, you know, I, I hear you very clearly on the self-care um, suggestions, which we can manage by ourselves, but do you recommend that the average woman work with a cardiologist or do you recommend that they work with sort of a primary care, you know, practitioner or GP to monitor their overall cardiac health? I, I want to just touch on the work that I am doing now to answer that question. Yeah, please. Um, Adesso is, oh my gosh, it's my 20-year baby. Um <laughs> to to have carried all of thousands of people's lives and research and information about really what creates risk in women and to be able to put it on a software platform has been the biggest passion I could ever imagine doing this is truly my purpose in life and part of what I've created on this platform is really a list of what to bring to your primary care provider. Do we all need a cardiologist? No, but we need someone who is going to pay attention to us. And if it's our primary care provider who we see, who we trust, who listens to us, who is going to be committed to our health, absolutely. But if it is a cardiologist who's focused on women and prevention, maybe that's the right thing for you, depending 
I think family history becomes a really important issue for understanding your risk. And there are some blood tests to get to really figure that out. One of them is called a lipoprotein little a or LPA, which is a genetic marker you're born with. And it's associated with an increased clotting and leading to heart attacks and strokes in families. And although I've been studying this for the past 20 years, articles have come out in the past two years that are saying, gee, cardiology community, should we use this new risk factor to test people? And here's the truth. It takes about 20 years for research to hit clinical practice. And right now, this marker is something that some doctors are checking, but not all. And that's what ADESO does for you. It provides you the education and a means for you to advocate for yourself. Um, other tests that are important, we know them, the cholesterol, the LDL cholesterol, triglycerides, sugars, hemoglobin A1C, but there are other markers that are also very important. As I mentioned, the LP little a and an apolipoprotein B, which is often more sensitive and specific for women and her risk of heart disease. It's, it's part of the cholesterol panel. And an exercise test, I use a cardiopulmonary exercise test, which really can assess the health of the arteries and figure out the best way for you to exercise to get those arteries as healthy as possible. We have a paradigm, we have an algorithm in cardiology of how we decide who is at risk. And that paradigm misses women about 60% of the time. I beg all of you to educate yourself a little, to really figure out what your own personal risk factors are, to understand what you need tested for yourself. There's something else called a coronary artery calcium score, which is a CAT scan without contrast or dye, that is an important screening test to look for plaque in the arteries, especially if you have a family history. And to answer your question again, ADESO enables you to take a list of all these tests, bring it to your primary care provider, and get what you need. Part of the women in heart disease issue is self-advocacy along with that self-care. And to self-advocate, you need to be educated. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I'm nodding along to everything that you're saying. I've I've thought this about the topic of menopause. You know, honest, like there's so many symptoms that women experience and you really need to advocate for yourself. You need to understand the 34 symptoms of menopause and you need to talk to your practitioner practitioners about what you are experiencing. But I have not thought about it in terms of heart health. So I'm so thrilled we're having this conversation. So just to clarify for our listeners, ADESO is something that you've created, right? It's healthcare technology. Is it, um, walk us through a little bit about like what it actually is. Is it an app? Is it is it something that we do online? How do we access this list of tests and resources that ADESA offers? Well, we'll be launching in a couple of weeks. Uh, the forward-facing platform is adesso.health, or you can follow us on Instagram on myadesso. But the platform itself is an app that provides a screening quiz with seven different sections, the seven major sections um, that 
really tells us what our own personal risk for heart disease is. So it not only talks about the cholesterol and the family history, as I mentioned, but it does also talk about the stress, the sleep, the relationships, because those things do matter. And it does talk about menopause and actually adverse outcomes of pregnancy, like preeclampsia and gestational diabetes, which also increases your risk of heart disease. And a lot of women don't know that. The next part of ADESO is really an educational and empowerment journey to keep you really on your toes about your heart health. It helps you track your days in terms of your nourishment and your movement and your sleep and what you eat, but it makes you really aware and accountable for who you are in your life and your world. And it forces you in some ways to put yourself first, to make sure that heart health is not something you think about or an afterthought, that it's really about how you choose to live your days and your life. So smart, because what uh, what gets tracked and measured, right, gets done. We, we see right. that in, in so many aspects of our life. And so it, it's smart to be paying attention to this. So I know that Adesso tracks these success metrics. Um, one of them I saw on your website was maybe lower BMI, decreased st- um, stress. For somebody who's sitting here thinking, you know, I definitely want to be on the right side of success metrics for my heart health, what should we be aiming for? It's really about, I I keep saying to everyone, you know, you wake up every day and you have a choice to eat that blueberry muffin or to have a bowl of oatmeal, you know, make, make the right choices for the most part. I think that obsessive behavior around food is something that we've seen always. And it's really about understanding moderation and what's best for you. I talk about the Mediterranean diet and eating good fats and multi-grains and vegetables. And I think everyone has gotten that message. Um, But genetically, there are ways to eat that really matter for you individually. And in general, I say staying away from saturated fats and meat and and you know, all the processed foods is the most important. And the next thing, and the thing I think is critical is really moving and getting up every day and not just sitting at the computer and working, but really make making movement part of your life and exercise 150 minutes per week. That's about 30 minutes, five days a week of getting your heart rate up, being really the most critical sweet spot for exercise. And then sleep, sleeping seven and a half hours a night, that seems to be really what we require for restorative health and well-being. And I think we all sort of feel like we do have work and our kids and our families and all of those things. We don't have time to sleep. Well, you just have to figure it out and right. make the time. It needs to be a priority. What is the age where we need to be paying attention to this? Do we? Should, I mean, is this something that we should have been doing in our 20s? Uh, for listeners who are at 40, 50, 60 and beyond, you know, what is the age where problems really start to appear um, if you don't have maybe a family history of this? And if is there an age by which you really need to be working with a cardiologist? We all should have started in our 20s, and I'm fairly certain. <laughs> you know, I, I'd We're not say going backwards, many, but, you know. Yeah. For many years, I lived on jelly beans and coffee in my training, and I'm like, well, that wasn't a great plan. <laughs> you know, we really can't go back. Um, but I, I don't think it's ever too late. And these things really do start showing up um, about that perimenopausal time. 
I say to all women that had any issues during pregnancy, start now, start immediately, um, start the day after your baby is born because it will come back to haunt you later in life. And that later in life might be in five years from now, um, not that much later. And as we hit perimenopause, that's when things change. So that's when it becomes so important to start really checking everything and staying on top of things. Um, I recommend at least a yearly checkup. If there's any change in your life, a huge weight gain, weight loss, any illnesses, all of a sudden you start decide to start chain smoking, you know, that sort of thing. Um, you know, <laughs> and stay on top of it. Right. Absolutely. I, I think, yeah. And I think it's most important to, to go to a cardiologist if you have symptoms. And that's not just chest pain or shortness of breath, but palpitations, lightheaded, or again, that strong family history. The sooner you go, the better. And I, I would imagine if you also have gone through something very dislocating, perhaps if you've gone through a divorce or, you know, a family member's illness, things that cause, you know, a job loss, right? Things that happen in our lives that are very common that cause incredible amounts of stress. Is that also a good time to get an evaluation? I'm actually smiling. Um, I, I personally went through a divorce and and right after it was over, I got everything checked. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so smart because- like, you know, this, this is bad. This can't be good for you kind of thing. So, you know, I don't always say do that, but, you know, I, I think that the one thing we have to realize is that stress is the biggest inflammatory process we could go through. And that inflammation and those stress hormones are so destructive to us, not only our hearts, but our arteries, our organs, our brains, everything. And so don't underestimate that the emotional stuff. I hear a lot of my women patients say, it's no big deal. It was just emotional. Ah, oh, but I'm like, just emotional is everything. You know, that is a time to really step back and realize maybe I should get checked and, and really focus on self-care at that point. I, I love that. That's such great advice. Um we are going to be heading into our speed round shortly, but before we do that, I, I have a couple last questions I want to ask you. You know, you've been practicing med medicine for uh, 20 years or more. Um, I would love to know from your kind of uh, landscape perspective, what, if anything, has changed about how we view heart disease in women? And are there still persistent myths kicking around that you would like to see debunked? Well, the most amazing thing is we're having the conversation now. <laughs> when I started, there was literally no such thing as women in heart disease. And the reason I went into this field is I saw women being wheeled into the ER and being completely ignored and neglected and having heart attacks. And so what I'm seeing now is that the younger generation of doctors, they're getting those lectures they're looking for heart disease in women. They're more focused on prevention. I've been a spokesperson for Go Red for Women through the American Heart Association for 20 years. Uh, last Friday was Go Red for Women uh, Day. It was our, our celebration of 19 years of doing this. And I look around and see a younger group of women doctors, of patients, of people, having the conversation. And that for me is just amazing to see the hugest change. What hasn't changed, 
is that recent studies have shown that women who go to the emergency room have a delay of care when it comes to getting their hearts checked about 20% longer than men, that when they actually go to their physicians, they are given less preventive strategies and less preventive medications. When they are in the hospital, they are more likely to die of a heart attack than men because they are not given the same treatment. So this problem continues to persist. When I think about why a system takes a long time to change, and that's why I'm talking to you today, because the more we empower women, again, to advocate for themselves, to empower themselves with information, I say to all women, I don't care how old you are, if you have a heart, you are at risk for heart disease. And studies are showing that women less than 55 years old are increasing, have increased risks of heart disease and are having more heart attacks than they were. Why? We have all been dealing with stress and certainly we cannot, we cannot leave out COVID and what COVID has done and the clotting abnormalities associated with COVID and the stress that we all went through during COVID. So I really think that the conversation hasn't changed statistically with women and it's actually gotten worse in some ways. So we all need to be on this mission together. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, there's not a single person listening to this, no matter what you think. If you're, you know, if you're, uh, you know, eat vegetables and you work out, you know, we have all gone through a global pandemic. The amount of stress that exists in our daily lives and in all systems that we work in, our workplaces, our schools, our communities, you know, it's it's smart to recognize the the role that this stress can be playing and impacting your heart health. So I. I so appreciate you you're flagging that for us because I think um as I said you know at some point during the show that you know women take on a lot of burdens and we we have a to-do list where we're getting everyone else's stuff done but this is such important medical advice that managing stress is so key to your to your heart health uh and to your you know mental well-being I really love that you've emphasized that because, you know, I, I know I know for myself, sometimes I need to be encouraged to go to the yoga class or find time with friends. And when I think about it as something that can impact my heart health in a positive way, I'm more likely to do it. Thank you. So we I'm are so happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know your work. Your work here is done. Plus, I, I need to get Fabulous. my I need to get my hands in that tracking app, too, because I'm, I'm curious about all of the different um, you know, ways that I can be evaluating my own risk because you flagged something for me that I didn't know. I had preeclampsia during two of my three pregnancies. And I'm like, all right, you know, I I, I probably need to be spending a little bit more time. I, I, I do all the other stuff, the mammograms, the dentist, the colonoscopy, but I haven't seen a cardiologist in a bunch of years. And, it, you know, it's time to put that on the calendar as well. And it's time to avail myself of all of the tracking and screening um, recommendations from Adesso. So thank you. All right, Suzanne, we are moving into our speed round. This is a fast, quick, high-intensity way to end. So it's perfect for our heart health. Are you ready? Let's (laughs) do it. Okay. I wish all women would do this one thing to protect their hearts. Exercise. Um, What's a lifestyle hack or activity that you personally use to fuel your own heart health? I eat 
blueberries for a snack all day long. Ooh, I love it. We love blueberries. <laughs> and do you have a stress-busting exercise that works best for you? I grew up dancing, and I have not stopped dancing. I uh, I dance my heart out like n- no one is watching and everyone's watching all the time. I love it. I also had a pelvic floor therapist come on that said dancing is wonderful for your pelvic floor health, too. So ladies, get on those dance shoes. Um, <laughs> all right. This heart-friendly grocery item is always in your shopping cart. I know it's blueberries, but what would be a secondary option? Um, Dark chocolate. Ooh, okay. I can definitely get behind that. Uh, And melt it on the blueberries and it's heaven on earth. Ooh, yum. All right. Uh, How about this one? Please, for the love of God, don't eat this food. Oh, my God. Hot dogs. Bacon. (laughs) Like bacon, probably, or hot dogs. Oh, oh, bacon. That breaks my heart. Okay. The hot dog one is easy, though. All right. Biggest myth around heart health? That we're not at risk. That we're all okay. Biggest myth. Biggest myth. I hear you. All right. Finally, your one-word answer to complete this sentence. As I age, I feel. Grounded. Nice. Thank you, Suzanne. This was terrific, informative, such an important conversation. I would encourage anyone who's listening to this show to share it with um, women who you love, taking care of our hearts, spreading the word about this important um, disease and what we can do to to protect ourselves is so key. Uh, Before we say goodbye, how can our listeners find you, your work, and learn about Adesso when it launches? Well, the platform is adesso.health. And like I said, on Instagram, my Adesso, you can find out about me, um, drsuzannesteinbaum.com and uh, Dr. Steinbaum on Insta and Twitter. And um, I, I just want every woman, this is heart month, go get checked, go figure out what your risks are, pay attention to your heart. As we said, heart care is the new self-care. Let's just do it. Fantastic. Such great advice. A great note to end on. Thank you, Suzanne. This wraps A Certain Age, a show for women who are aging without apology. Thank you for tuning in and being a friend of the show. Before we say goodbye, a quick favor. I would love a written review over on Apple Podcasts. Yes, the star ratings help, but written reviews truly matter. You can share what you learned during the show or why you tune in, mention a favorite guest, or let us know if a certain age makes you happier, smarter, or more inspired. Reviews matter. They help other women like you find the show. Special thanks to Michael Mancini, who composed and produced our theme music. See you next time. And until then, age boldly and take care of your heart, beauties. Beauties.